If you're also wanting to follow along with the Pew Bibles, that page is 869, pages 869 in the Pew Bibles. So reading Revelation 3, 15 and 16, and also verse 19. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Good morning. So I hope that everybody here uh, has had the opportunity to take advantage of this beautiful weather of the summer. I know that some people have gone to camp. Some people have gone camping. Some people have gone to the lake. Right? And I know a lot of people are still uh, on holidays at this time. But uh, Linda and I took the family to the lake uh, last week. And I have a picture here. I think. Yeah, there you go. And it was beautiful. Um, it's an opportunity for us once again to really appreciate the excellent work of God in, his, in, his, in, his, in, in, in the world, in, in, in the nature, as we uh, enjoyed the water, the sand, the trees, the sky, the animals that we saw, the activities that we were able to do in the woods. It was amazing. And again, God created this world excellently. God created this world so that um, he can have it uh, as, as very good. That's what uh, the account was in, account is in the scriptures, to be very good. And that is what we want. That is what we want to see today, God being an excellent God, as is uh, uh, recorded in Psalm 150, verse 2. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. We have an excellent God. right? We have an excellent God that does excellent things. And we praise him for this. And the message today is about an excellent God wanting the same for his people. An excellent God who desires excellence in his people. That is the message that I would like to talk to you about today. He is so excellent that when he blesses us, he blesses us with very good things. He does not relent or, um, or, or, um, or think about the cost. And this is seen when he gave his only begotten son to die for us on the cross. We all understand this. And this life that we have in full is because of Jesus. As recorded in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This excellent life that God desires from us is not something that we concocted for ourselves. We didn't think one day, oh, since I'm a Christian, maybe I'll give my best to God. Maybe I'll do this because, you know, he's such a great God. I mean, part of that is, you know, his grace and his love leads us to do that because God's grace and God's love is not concerned with the bare minimum. God's grace and God's love is concerned with giving the best, right? But that is the whole point of the life that Jesus wants us to have, this life in full that he wants us to have. And uh, it's, um, it is the case if you are going to be a Christian. It's not something that we, okay, well, maybe I can, maybe, maybe I will not take advantage of this life in full. It is something that God desires for us to have. This is one of his purposes for us. As we see in Titus 3 verse 8, those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. Okay, it's a shoki here today. I'm going to underline some things here. 
So this is for him and for you guys as well, okay? Those who have believed in God. If you have a relationship with God, then you will be careful to devote yourselves to do good works. And the reason is provided in this verse. Why do we do this as Christians? Because these things are excellent and profitable for people. Again, an excellent God desiring excellence in his people. See, God wants us to do extraordinary things even though we are ordinary people. And we see this as well in Matthew 5, 13 and 14 when Jesus tells us that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. These are, these are things that are not average. These are things that are, that, are, that are ordinary. If we are going to be the salt and the light of the world, these are huge responsibilities. Right? These are huge responsibilities that God has given to us. This is our purpose in our lives here on earth. But we are able to do this through Jesus. We are able to do this because of the spirit that God has given to us. In 2 Timothy 1.7, we read that for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and discipline. Okay, timid is not something that we are. The word timid here is the word that's liter- that literally means afraid or fearful. We are not that. And I love this because it says that God, who lives in us through his spirit, gives us power, love, and self-discipline. He enables us to have power. The word power here is the Greek dynamis, and we get our word dynamite from this, from this Greek word. His power is huge, and it's in us. So, an excellent God desires excellence in his people, and this is the message today. And as we continue in our sermon series, Growing to Maturity, that's what I want to talk to you about today. But there is a problem. Because this is my problem as well. Because sometimes Christians do not take advantage of this life to the full. Why? Because for the most part, Christians want to live a life of spiritual mediocrity. It's uncomfortable, it's uncomfortable to say that because we know that when Christians do that, it's comfortable. We want to live an average life. We want to stay at the, on the plane of mediocrity because that is nice. We don't have to have that much effort. It's comfortable. And that hinders us from living life to the full as God has intended us to live. So this morning what I would like to do is I would like to uh, challenge all of us to rise above mediocrity. I want us to rise above mediocrity because this is the only way that we are going to move forward in his kingdom. Um, What I'm going to do to talk about this is to uh, talk about and look into what Jesus has to say to the church in Laodicea. The church in Laodicea has fallen into that state of mediocrity. They have become lukewarm, Jesus says. They are not hot, they are not cold, they are just comfortable. And Jesus has something to say to them that we can learn from today. And in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, 
um, is uh, dedicated to the seven churches in Asia. Uh, Jesus Christ himself uh, has a message for each of them. And we know that it is for us today because in each of the sections, it's repeated seven times. It says, those who have ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So this particular uh, text that was read to us by Evan applies to us today as it, is, uh, as, as, as it applied to the church in Laodicea. So what, we're gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you like really just quickly three things from the message of God to the church in Laodicea to enable them to rise above mediocrity. And so when we learn it, when we look into it, it is going to help us to rise above mediocrity. So we're going to start, and I'm going to get right to the point. The first thing that I would like us to think about uh, that will enable us to rise above mediocrity, first and foremost, is this. Consider that a mediocre spiritual life is wrong. I spent a lot of time wording this. You can ask Linda. And I don't know how I should word this. I want to encourage, but I also want to challenge. But I also do not want to sugarcoat it. So this, this is what came out. Consider that a mediocre spiritual life is wrong. If we are not giving our best to God, we are not living the life that is appropriate for a Christian. Your best might not look like my best. Your best might not, might not look like the best of the one sitting beside you. But God desires our best. Excellent. It doesn't matter what that looks like, but that's common for all of us is the best. I remember uh, Linda telling me uh, when she went to school, she had this teacher that had a classroom with this poster with a quote on the wall. And that poster on the corner on the wall, Linda said she saw every day as she went to school. And it guided her. It made her think every day to think about excellence and not mediocrity. The quote read like this. Good enough is usually neither. I'm going to say it again. Good enough is usually neither. Did you guys get it? Good enough, if you, if you didn't, I'm just going to say it plain and simple. Good enough is usually neither good nor enough. It is specifically true with our spiritual lives. Mediocre spiritual living is wrong. And we know this as well because of what Jesus said in our text today. In Revelation 3:15 to 16, he says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, because we live on a pl- they lived on a plane of mediocrity, and neither hot nor cold, and this is how we know it's wrong, because Jesus said so. I will spit you out of my mouth. It is not good. It is not good. See, let's concede. Lukewarm is nice. Lukewarm is comfortable. In many aspects of our daily living, warm is good. Right? When, I, when we go to bed, we don't want to feel hot or cold. We want warm. When we go, to, go in the shower, you know, sometimes, yeah, you can take cold or hot showers, but I don't. I love my warm showers. I don't want to be cold or hot in the shower. 
I want warm. Weather. <laughs> Weather, you know what I'm talking about. Winter. When winter comes around, and you're probably thinking, oh, it's August, it's going to be cold soon. Winter comes around, we complain. It's too cold outside. I can't wait for summer. And then summer comes, what do we say? Yes, it's too hot. That's why people today, many people I know, like don't like summer or winter. The, their favorite season is what? Fall or, or spring. Because it's neither hot nor cold. Why do we like lukewarm? Because it's comfortable. And listen to this. The devil wants us there. That is where the devil wants us to be. To be lukewarm Christians. Comfortable with mediocrity. Comfortable and satisfied with the bare minimum. Why? Because the cost of Christ is most negatively affected. Not by cold-hearted sinners. Not by people who don't believe in God, but by lukewarm Christians. When I said, consider that a lukewarm or that a a mediocre life or spiritual life is wrong, some of us probably, no, no, that's, that's not right. That is not correct, Jay. That's too harsh. You know why? Because the devil has put that in our hearts and in our minds. We have been comfortable with comfortable. We have been satisfied with our comfort zones. We have not been growing if that's the case. Let us snap out of that. Jesus here says that we neither should, we either should be cold or hot. You know, God wants us to be hot. On fire for him. That's what we want to be. But if we're not that, we need to be cold. Like literally, really against God. You know why? Because in that case, we will know where we stand eventually in our life if we are hot. But if we're lukewarm, there's a problem. We think that we're hot, but really we're not. Right? There's this false sense of security in being a lukewarm Christian. And that's the second point that I want to bring up today. The second point is this. If we are to rise above mediocrity, we need to recognize the cause of mediocrity. The illusion of self-sufficiency. In our text this morning, in Revelation 3, verse 17, Evan didn't read this. Because I thought it would be best if we just read 15, 16, and then 19. But verse 17, Jesus tells the church in Laodicea what was wrong with them. Why they were lukewarm. Why they were comfortable in staying on on the mediocre plane of spiritual living. Jesus tells them, you say I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. There, There it is right there. I do not need a thing. I am okay here. You, you want to change things? No. Can't, can't have that. Can't have that. Because I am not comfortable with that. We can apply this to our lives today. The reason why I become complacent, the reason why I become, um, uh, I become uh, satisfied with the status quo, or I become satisfied with mediocre living, is because 
somehow I have replaced the purpose of God in my life with something else. And in the case of the Laodiceans, they have replaced their purpose with their riches and with their wealth. They're comfortable with that. So if they have time, they can do church things. If they were up to it and they're feeling up to it, they can be with the church. Maybe if I need it, then I can pray to God. Or I can sing. Or I can worship. But for now, I can't because this and that. I'm, I'm, I'm padded. I'm comfortable. That's the problem. Is that there's this illusion that they were okay. You know, they were running around, walking around, living their daily lives going. They're thinking, they look at themselves and they think, I am excellent. I am honorable. I don't know. I am, I am, uh, I am rich. I am righteous. I am holy. I'm good. But then their view of themselves is not the same view of God. They don't see, they, they, they don't see themselves as God sees them. Because Jesus says, you are not that. The way I see you is this. You are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And that is the danger of lukewarm living. That's the danger of giving God our bare minimum. That's the danger of giving God our scraps. Is we think we're good, but we're not good. These individuals are the opposite of the poor in spirit that Jesus talks about in Matthew 5, verse 3. They do not see the need for God or to move forward or to grow. They see it as, I'm fine here. I'm okay. I'm good. Now, what does Jesus tell them to do to rise above that level of mediocrity? In verse 18 of Revelation 3, Jesus tells them to do three things. And what's amazing about this is we see once again how God, how Jesus always goes down and relates everything to the level of the people that he is talking to. To the Laodiceans, this is a background. The church in Laodicea, obviously, is in the city, was in the city of Laodicea in Asia. And now that place is in modern-day Turkey. Right, But at that time, Laodicea was a rich place. Literally, it was a banking district at the time. Lots of gold. Right, The Jewish people there, there, there's an account where the emperor of Rome one time intercepted the Jewish people's gift to the church, to, to, to the church in, uh, the, the Jewish Christian's gift to the church in, in, uh, in, in, in Jerusalem, where they intercepted 20 pounds of gold from the church in Laodicea, which is great, right? But it says in here that, that the first thing that they need to do is don't worry, you know, don't think about your gold. Buy gold from me. I know you guys have a lot of gold in your city, but that gold is not good. The gold that is good is the gold that you can get from me. This is the real riches that you need. It's the same thing for us today. 
We cannot sidetrack ourselves in our spiritual walk. We need to keep moving forward. We need to keep growing. And those things that sidetrack us could be money, could be our career, could be anything else in this world that is not spiritual. We need to pay attention to that and just focus on what God has to give to us. That is the first and primary thing that we need to focus on, as Jesus tells the church in Laodicea. The second thing that uh, Jesus tells them is what the city of Laodicea was famous for at the time. One of the reasons why they were rich uh, in Laodicea was because of this industry, uh, because they were in the textile industry. Literally, they made black wool, which was so popular at the time. Black wool. And that's the second thing that Jesus tells them to do. Don't worry about your black wool, your black clothing, your black textile. Take from me white garments to clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not seem. He's the only one that can clothe us with righteousness. Right? When we think that we are good, when we are comfortable with our comfort zones, that is what happens. We think that we're good enough. We give to God what he does not want. Right? He wants something else, but we insist on giving him something that he wants. We think he wants. That is the problem with mediocrity. That is the problem with lukewarm Christianity. Is that. The third thing that Jesus tells them to do is this. Anoint yourselves with salve. Back then, the city of Laodicea was known for this, for, for their ophthalmology. Literally, they concocted an ointment to put in your eyes so that it can cure, cure your blindness or your nearsightedness. Because back then, there were no, there were no eyeglasses. And the city of Laodicea was able to provide that to the world, which is amazing. But Jesus tells them, as he relates their problem to them, I know you guys have that ointment that you put on your eyes, but that's not going to do you any good. The only thing that you can do is get that ointment from me, Jesus. And that's the message that we heard from Wayne last week. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only one that can direct us to the right path. That is the way out of spiritual mediocrity is Jesus because he wants us to live a full life. Now, the third thing and final thing that I would like to talk to you about as we rise above mediocrity is to tell you, is, is, is what Jesus told the Laodiceans to do in verse 19. And that, that word that I'm going to put in here in a second will enable us to rise above mediocrity and rise to excellence. This is it. In Revelation 3, verse 19, Jesus tells them to be zealous. Do you guys see that? In Revelation 3, verse 19, Jesus tells them, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. You know what zealous means? Zealous literally means to do something enthusiastically. To do something with passion. Not just going through the motions. Not just singing just for the sake of singing. Not just praying for the sake of praying. Not just being here for the sake of being here. Being here and doing things for God because we want to do it for God. Because we are zealous for it. Because we want to do it. Not because we are being forced to do so. Not because we have to do it. But because we want to do it, 
You know, when we when I talk when we think when I think about zealous, I was trying to think what can I how can I illustrate zealous? You know, uh, last week we were visiting with the Woods family. They were camping in uh, I forgot the name Otter Falls, I think Otter Falls. Um, we visited them for a day, and then uh, do you guys know their dog Copper? They have a dog named Copper. The Woods family, Mike and uh, Kelty, but he is 15 years old. He's really old. He's really old, and he could he could barely walk, like he would walk really gingerly. But what struck me the most from Copper was that even though he was 15 years old, he was so old he could barely walk. He still wanted to play. He still wanted to play. Every time I picked something out, he thought I was going to throw it out so that he could catch it. And, and then right then and there, that's when I thought, maybe this is why people love dogs. Because in our church, there's so many people that have dogs. It's because dogs are so zealous about being dogs. Right? And that's the best way that I can illustrate being zealous. It's like, we are Christians. But are we zealous about being Christians? It doesn't matter where in our lives we are. Are we doing things that are Christian and zealous about it? It doesn't matter how old we are, do we still want to be Christians? To do what Christians do? I love what Jesus says here. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. You know, we've been talking about growing to maturity for a time now. Since the beginning of the summer. And you know what? When people ask us to grow up, Every single time. It's not fun. So grow up. Oh, it's not fun. It pricks the heart. It's not comfortable. You know why? Because we need to change. We need to change. It is true that a key thing about growing up spiritually is this. We will only grow up at the end of our comfort zones. This is true with physical fitness. You know, uh, if we want to lose some pounds, for example, people say, well, you know what? We need to do cardio. And cardio means you need to run, right? Last week, probably, you know, you could only run a kilometer. But this week, you can run two kilometers. You know what that means? That means that you're growing. That means your body is changing. Because before, you couldn't run two kilometers, but now you can run two kilometers, That's change. That is what God wants us to do, is to keep growing. And we need zeal to do that. Because if we do not have zeal, we will not do it. We will be comfortable sitting here not doing anything. We will be comfortable coming here and going, what does this church have for me today? What does Jay Jay have to tell me today? Is it going to be good? Am I going to enjoy it? I don't want us to enjoy it. I want us to be challenged today. I want us to be challenged today. So, um, what's next here? I forgot. Romans twelve eleven. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Zeal. Fervor. This is something that we need to have. Now, you're probably thinking, you know, well... What is my best? Well, your best is up to you. It's between you and God. Right? 
But this word here is so important to do, to, to, to remember. Our zeal and our spiritual fervor is used to serve God. Now, let me give you an example. If, for example, you look into your spiritual life and you find yourself, you know, you're, you're thinking, I should, I should, I should worship more. I, w- I should come to worship more. Maybe more regularly. Not just once or twice a month, but every week. If that is you today, if you, if, if you have not been worshiping regularly, I encourage you today, worship regularly. That is one of the ways that you can show God, you know what? I am getting out of that plane of mediocrity. I'm going to be better for you. That's your best. That's great. But if you're there, if you come here every Sunday, that's great. Now, don't stay there. Don't, don't say, well, I come every Sunday, I'm good. Because you're going to be like the Laodiceans. If you come here every Sunday, step it up a notch. Grow. Say, well, I come here every Sunday, so what am I going to do? I'm going to look around, and I'm going to look for people that I have not talked to before. I want to cultivate relationships in my church family. Right? If you're already doing that, maybe you can be part of the ministries in this church. And if you're already doing that, maybe you can go a step further. Maybe you desire to be a deacon or an elder. It doesn't stop. That is the fervor, the zeal that we need for God. Now, this is our logo, right? And this is like our little uh, little motto. Central Church of Christ in Winnipeg, Manitoba, where Christ is central. I mean, our hearts are for God. We want to do the right things. We want to put God at the center of everything that we do. That's great. But there's two things here. There's doing the right things, and there's also doing things right. The question today is not, are we doing the right things? It's another sermon for another day. Right? Today, the question is, are we doing things right? You know, assume that we're doing the right things. That's great. But the right things that we're doing, are we doing it correctly? Are we doing it right? Are we doing it with passion? Are we doing it with all of our might, our soul, our spirit, our hearts? When we sing, do we sing for God? Or do we go... When we pray, do we just go, oh, just rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. <laughs> you know, it, you know does, does, is, that what God, is that what God hears? Are we doing it passionately? That is what is going to set us as apart as people of God. It's the passion that we have, the zeal that we have for Him. Now, I'm going to leave you with something that Linda and I like just say to each other a lot because we know our nature we like comfort and if we don't keep it in mind we will always slip onto the realm of mediocrity between Linda and I we have this saying right and it was our birthday weekend last weekend and we decided to give this to each other as a gift like a little plaque to put in our office so that we can always remember And this is what we want to teach our kids as well. And that plaque is this. Excellence in all ways. Always. You know, this is not something that we came up 
on our own. We saw this in a verse, Philippians 4.8. And in that verse, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, and this is it right here. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Excellence is not perfection. Excellence is not skill. It is a state of mind. How do we do things for God? Do we do it begrudgingly? Do we do it without joy? Do we do it forced? If we do, then we're just going to complain all the time. If we do, then God really will not have any use for us. Because, you know, cold refreshes and heat heals. But lukewarm, it's good. You know what it's good for? Being spat out. It's not useful. This morning, I challenged all of us to switch our minds, to think, am I comfortable today or am I pressing forward on higher ground as we stand and sing the song of invitation?